Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. My name is Eli Herskovich. You can follow The Lines on Twitter at TheLinesUS. You can follow my MLB or The Lines MLB betting savant at Monoir on Twitter. Two W's. We still have yet to determine if that is the same as his Instagram handle. Mo, why haven't you taken the time to do so yet? I hate social media. I told you. I've gotten too old for it. I think that's all it is. I'm too old for social media. All right. I get it. My question, another question before we get rolling on the podcast. Take me through the process with why you decided to have a mustache going on this week. I don't care if I'm unattractive. So I decided to (laughs) look like Travis Kelsey this week. It's working for him. So if it works for Travis Kelsey, I can give it a shot, right? This is true. Maybe next week we'll have Taylor Swift making a guest appearance on the podcast. We'll see. TBD. But before we get started, remember to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to get notifications whenever the Lions releases a new sports betting video on any market, including our NFL bets like this one. Subscribe. Leave a five-star review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. We're also available on Spotify along with a multitude of other podcast platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at Eli Herskovich. If you're new to the podcast, beat the closing number. We go through today on the Monday edition of this podcast, the biggest line movement in week four or week five, I should say, and some interesting games of note in regards to the adjustments to the point spreads. Our show is having a great start to the 2023 NFL season, 11 and five. In terms of spreads and totals on the season, I'm eight and six myself, three and zero oh, with my bets on Sunday, three and one in week number four. My Packers bet did not go too well on Thursday night. Mo, how did your bets go in week four? Um, it was okay, probably about even to be honest. Uh, posted plays were very poor, but I didn't get um, I didn't get the Ravens in there unfortunately because by the time I posted that one. I usually post my bets on like Friday. That one, the line was already gone, the three that we got on Thursday. So that one didn't sneak in there. And then uh, I had to buy out of that Raiders bet because I had absolutely zero belief in their backup quarterbacks. Uh, So that was a little bit rough for me. And uh, I I bet some totals that went well, though. I just, I had a lot of confidence about the over in the Bears and the over in Rams Colts. So both of those came home for me. Nice. Nice. So we'll be breaking down how we're gauging the week five card in relation to some early thoughts for Mo and myself. And looking back at week number four, Jets Chiefs, just to kick it off, Mo, I know you're a Chiefs fan and some questionable calls down the stretch. Although you could say there were also questionable calls in the first half, a horse collar tackle that probably shouldn't have been called a horse collar tackle, but just looking at those significant ones, one that was called, one that wasn't, and then you also factor in the Patrick Mahomes slide where people were betters were complaining on Twitter that how did Chiefs minus nine and a half, minus seven and a half, eight and a half, whatever number you got above the key number of seven, how did those Chiefs bets, why didn't those Chiefs bets come home? But Patrick Mahomes made the right decision. And Nick Chubb, if you go back to the Browns-Jets result 
last year in week two did not. And that cost the Browns not only against the spread, but that cost him an outright win. If you look back at Chubb's decision to not slide and score before the two minute warning, I believe. But what were your overall thoughts with Chiefs and Jets and the assortment of calls that should have been called, didn't get called in the fourth quarter and otherwise? Yeah, a lot of bad calls both ways for sure. Uh, last call, I cannot even believe people are complaining about it. Extremely obvious hold. Uh, nobody would blink if that was called in the third quarter of Browns Ravens that nobody was watching or whatever. You know what I like? That that's just a completely layup call. Like I'm not saying it gets called 100% of the time, but I think it gets called 100% of the time somebody sees it. So uh, wouldn't expect anything else to be honest when you pull a receiver's jersey and prevent him from going through his break so it seemed like a very normal call to me uh I don't think the Jets were going to have much of a chance no matter what happened there to be honest uh so yeah pretty similar to that Chiefs Eagles Super Bowl to be honest like people were complaining about that call and it was like the Chiefs were minus 675 live before that that play I think so uh they were very very likely to win the game um but yeah, nothing to really worry about there. Overall, my thoughts on that game were um, I thought it was a fine win for the Chiefs. Um, I know people, some people are trying to like degrade beating the Jets on the road. I mean, the Chiefs kneeled it out at the one and, and could have easily won by 10, a road game against a, a middle-of-the-pack team uh, that that's quarterback played the best game of his career. So I don't think the Chiefs have anything to be ashamed of there. I mean, obviously, Patrick Mahomes did not play a good game, but good luck if you think that's going to continue. You know what I mean? So uh, just a pretty normal game for the Chiefs. And yeah, I, I thought the Jets played a hell of a game, to be honest, although I'm pretty excited to fade the Jets going forward just because I just don't expect that to continue. So if, if they price anything like that in going forward, uh, I'd be fading the Jets, I think, but uh, we'll see what, what the market thinks. But yeah, I mean, I just don't expect Zach Wilson to do that. I mean, he was throwing strikes. Dude, Rodgers himself couldn't have had a better game than that, honestly. Yeah, those back shoulder throws and Chris Collinsworth was having a field day in the booth. He was right. Complimenting. He was right, but it was a little much. Like we were making, just going back to the numbers and Collinsworth, we were Collinsworth and Tariqa were making Wilson out to be an all-pro quarterback. He was having a fine game, but it's not like he was averaging nine yards per attempt or anything like that. No, but the Chiefs have a good defense, so I thought it was a really, really good performance. I just don't expect him to repeat it, you know? Yeah, and looking back at some of the numbers for the Jets, again, with Wilson, 5.56 yards per pass attempt. He had a good game and a better game than most betters expected, especially against that Chiefs secondary, but it's not like he was otherworldly. So I think that that's kind of my point, but he kept the Jets in the game. Like you mentioned, the Chiefs probably should have won that game by double digits, and you go back to the safety call that maybe shouldn't have been called considering the holding took place outside of the end zone or whatever the, the exact call was. It took place initially outside of the end zone. Maybe there was the extreme contact that took place in the end zone, but that kind of call could go one way or the other. So a multitude of calls that I think you can make the case, maybe the highlighted ones down the stretch 
were more significant because they took place down the stretch. But I don't think the Chiefs got the benefit of the whistle in the first half when the Jets really made that comeback down 17 zip. But we digress about Chiefs Jets. But let's get into some of the significant line moves here in week five. We mentioned and you mentioned how you may be looking to fade the Jets. They're in Denver in week five. The Broncos are down from minus three on the look ahead to minus two, minus two and a half. The Ravens are out from under the key number of three. They were favored by two on the look ahead line in Pittsburgh. Now out to minus four, minus four and a half. The Lions out from minus seven to minus nine at home against the Panthers. Detroit coming off that big Thursday night football win over Green Bay. Total going over despite the Packers comeback attempt and probably getting the benefit of the whistle at the end of the third quarter. Detroit still covering and winning that game comfortably. And the Eagles are down from minus six on the look ahead line to minus four and a half at the Rams. But we start in terms of the breakdowns with the Bears at Commanders. The Commanders, minus seven for the most part across the board. Total sitting at 44.5. But if you look at some of those minus sevens, they are juiced the other way. So you're probably looking at Chicago plus seven, minus 120, or the Commanders juiced at minus six and a half. And this point spread is up from the minus five look ahead line from last week in favor of the Commanders, of course. Washington covering in Philadelphia, plus eight and a half. Sam Howell finished with more total expected points added EPA than Jalen Hurts. And I thought Hurts once again got away with at least one or two turnover-worthy throws down the stretch. Probably a should-be interception late in that fourth quarter. Still has a lower passing success rate on the season than Desmond Ritter, the Falcons quarterback, which is maybe something you'll hit on when you break down the Eagles on the Thursday edition of Beat the Closing Number. And that Eagles secondary continues to be a huge concern for me as we move along here in the season. The Bears pushed at plus three against the Broncos. You got the benefit of the hook with the Bears in that one with Chicago blowing a 28-7 to lead to the lowly Denver Broncos. And yards per play were about even in that game. 6.7 to 6.5 in favor of the Bears. The Broncos winning that turnover battle to zip. Jonathan Cooper's fumble recovery for a touchdown. Definitely going the Broncos way in terms of not only the turnover department, but how the final outcome was decided. And I don't know how Matt Eberflus is not fired yet. (laughs) So looking at the point spread, Mo, with... Washington sitting at minus six and a half and juiced or minus seven unjuiced. How are you gauging the the betting markets for Bears and Commanders on Thursday Night Football? I think this one, um, well, first of all, I will just come out and say I'm excited to get the Bears at seven. I think even six and a half is probably fine here. Uh, Not ready to start laying a touchdown with Washington. I think I've been low on Washington all year. I don't think this is a good team. Um, My big question and the thing I'm looking at for this game is going to be the Washington defensive line versus the Chicago offensive line. So basically, Justin Fields was just under siege each of the first three weeks when the Bears were just getting completely ravaged and just unable to move the ball at all. 
And then, like I expected against the Broncos, which has the like maybe the worst pass rush in the NFL, all of a sudden, Justin Fields has some time. He was making throws. He was making things happen with DJ Moore, who was just shredding that secondary. Uh, he has weapons. I mean, Cole Komet had another. He had a big game. Darnell Mooney, when he's your third option, this is this is solid. Like, I think Chicago's offense can do something if they give him some time. But on paper, everyone loves the Washington defensive line, right? It's full of studs, first-round picks. They haven't been very good this year, though. Sixth worst pressure rate, and that's with like a middling blitzing rate. So I'm kind of bullish on the Bears here again. I'm kind of bullish on points here again. Why can't this just look like the Broncos game? I mean, Sam Howell was making plays against the Eagles. Like the total's medium. I think it's like 44. 44 I think and this, a half, yeah. I think this should be higher. I, I think there's going to be some points here. I know it's a sloppy Thursday game with bad teams, but. I think they're bad in the ways that there's going to be offense. My concern would be that Bears secondary against, I can't believe I'm saying it, a much improved, well, I, I got to give myself credit. I think I handicapped Eagles commanders pretty well, but I was impressed with Sam Howell and I thought the enemy and that Washington offensive coaching staff adjusted really well to get the ball out of his hands quickly and Again, Philadelphia's secondary was a big concern, and Washington was able to generate a lot of separation, at least Terry McLaurin, and Dotson came up with some big plays late in that second half, and somewhat— speaking of bizarre coaching decisions and not going down and just winning the game, Yeah. what about the Eagles? I mean, why aren't people talking about this? Throwing deep to score a touchdown? Guys— Just get to the five and kick a field goal. Like, what are we doing here? Washington shouldn't have even gotten that game to overtime. That's a good point. I thought you were going to say that the commander should have gone for two after scoring the touchdown. Yeah, that's fair think. for sure, but they should have never even yeah. had that chance. Right. No, it's it's true. A lot of questionable decisions down the stretch in that game from both coaching staffs. But I would say Bears secondary, Matt Eberflus, Going up against Eric Bieniemy, I think that's a big coaching mismatch, especially when you look at the Bears' personnel in the secondary against a quarterback that I think can have a lot of success against it in Sam Howell. I've been really impressed with him for the most part over the first three weeks. And while we had our concerns after week one, maybe that's more about the Arizona Cardinals and a lot of betters market ratings having them a little bit too low to begin the season and then you look at how Howell performed against that Buffalo secondary and the Bills defense is arguably top three at the very worst top five across the NFL so I'm not saying I'm laying the points with Washington but I do think the market adjustment on this spread is warranted so I'm staying away from this point spread but if you do want to get involved with the Bears or otherwise. Remember, over at Caesar Sportsbook, as long as you're at least 21 years old and in a state where it's legal, you could sign up with Caesars Online Sportsbook and bet legally. Use the bonus code the lines 1000 when creating your account. Up to $1,000 back as a bonus bet if your first bet loses. Terms and conditions, as always, apply. More details over at thelines.com. Now, if we look at Texans at Falcons, one of the early games on the Sunday slate. Atlanta still favored by a point, 
total sitting at 41 and a half, 42, but the spread is down considerably, at least around the key number with Atlanta being favored over the key number of three sitting at three and a half on the look ahead line. It was two and a half last night. So two and a half points of line movement all the way back to the look ahead line and Houston money, like I mentioned, continues to get poured in and, C.J. Stroud performed very well against that Pittsburgh defense, despite having pretty much all backups in on the Texans offensive line, with the exception of right guard Shaq Mason and Stroud putting up the fourth highest EPA per drop back among qualified quarterbacks. He's now the offensive rookie of the year favorite ahead of B. John Robinson. So the Texans obviously cover and win outright as three-point dogs against the Steelers in week four. Desmond Ritter putting up the third fewest EPA per dropback in week four in that loss to Jacksonville and the Jaguars winning comfortably 23 to seven in London. So how are you gauging Falcons and Texans off the bat now? I think we just have to wonder if the Falcons can get off the schneid offensively, obviously. Um, Houston's defense is rating pretty solid other than that complete disaster game against the Colts. Um, <clears throat> I think D'Amico Ryans is a good coach, dude. Like, he has— 100%. I, this has been a mess injury-wise for the Texans. Nobody expected C.J. Stroud to be having this much success this quickly behind this sort of threadbare offensive line. He's making Nico Collins look like a star. Um when does Houston's injury report start to matter? I don't know. It, this could be the week because, man, this Falcons defense is solid. It's not their fault they suck. Um, it's a obviously a rough spot for them schedule slash travel-wise coming back from yeah. London. So I, I think between how bad their offense has looked multiple weeks in a row now, and like I've been pounding the table since week one, they got outplayed by the Panthers, and the Panthers are dreadful. I, they are so much worse than I ever thought they would be. So I, I think the Falcons are not very good. I think this move is probably warranted. But I, I don't know. I, I still kind of think the Falcons should be small favorites. But then the, there's a part of me that thinks the same thing I thought about that Steelers game with, with Houston, which is even with all the injuries, even with whatever else, better quarterback and a better coach getting points is going to be a little bit tough to pass up. And I, I think that's the situation here with Houston. This feels like a massive swing game for anyone, including myself with any sort of Falcons futures. Either way, I, I feel like if the Falcons lose this game, you can just throw those tickets in the trash, honestly, uh, other than like me, if you're on the, the, the bearish side, I think you're in great shape. So, um, yeah, anything anything bullish I think is going to be probably dead with a loss here. They have to win this game. Yeah, I'm looking at the little bit of a mismatch up front in terms of the Falcons' offensive line, which is one of the best in the NFL, taking on a Houston run defense that ranks number 24 in terms of EPA per carry allowed. And they rank just below average, number 17, across the NFL in terms of rushing success rate allowed. So it kind of goes back to yesterday. And like I hit on every single week, depending on the game script, if Atlanta can control that specific area and maintain a positive game script with Bijan Robinson and Algier 
on the ground, then I think the Falcons can win this game outright. I do think the adjustment, at least under the key number of three, is warranted, but down to one, and I think we could even see this get to a pick. So I'm not racing to the window to bet the Falcons, but I am considering Atlanta, and I don't think you need to be in a rush if you're looking about the Falcons. If you want to bet the Texans, you may want to jump on this because I think the market could continue to bet this down maybe as low as a pick. But with that in mind, if you're looking to bet this the other way, there's no reason to jump on the Falcons right now. I think Thursday, Friday, maybe even as late as Sunday, if you want to get a bet in on Atlanta and I think a Falcons rushing attack that could have a lot of success despite Desmond Ritter continuing to play poorly. Also, you have to take into account that depending on how you want to look at the Jaguars-Falcons game and you want to consider it, if you want to consider it garbage time or not, that second to last, last Falcons possession where the Falcons failed to score with the ball inside the red zone on that fourth down, fourth and goal, whatever it was, where Drake London couldn't get both of his feet in play for six. Depending on how you want to look at that drive and whether it mattered or not, considering whether the Jags were playing prevent defense or not, maybe I need to rewatch film on that one. But I thought Atlanta and Ritter played much better in the second half. So really depends on how you want to grade Desmond Ritter from first half into the second half. But I do think if this number maintains itself at a pick or Atlanta minus one, or if it dips as low as a pick, I may have a play on the Falcons. We'll see, which I think you were kind of getting to. Although I'm not sure if you were saying that you were going to have a bet on Atlanta or not, but it seems like we're both at least leaning that direction with the Falcons. On to the third of four games that we're looking at here. Mo Bengals at Cardinals. And Cincinnati is a three-point favorite on the adjusted line, total of 43.5. Keep in mind that the Bengals were as high as eight, eight and a half on the look-ahead spread, and it was sitting at minus four and a half as of Sunday night. And the Titans took it to the Bengals in week four. 27-3 victory over Cincinnati at home after closing as two and a half point road underdogs or home underdogs and Joe Burrow with 4.2 yards per pass attempt. And that calf is still clearly a major issue. Jamar Chase calling out, seemingly calling out Burrow post game saying he's pretty much open out of every play. Uh, maybe that has to do with Burrow's ability to get him the football with that calf injury. Maybe not, but either way, a lot of locker room issues for the Cincinnati Bengals the Arizona Cardinals getting a lot of market interest after starting out 3-1 and one against the spread, almost covering down the stretch against the Niners. And definitely not benefiting from two dropped touchdown catches by one Zach Ertz. And I forget who was the other Cardinals receiver that dropped it, but almost covering at the Niners. But I digress. The Arizona Cardinals closed 15-point underdogs at San Francisco outgained 2.1 or by 2.1 yards per play. Christian McCaffrey with four touchdowns. So we'll get to the 49ers here in a bit against the Cowboys in week five. But McCaffrey may be entering the MVP conversation with how he's playing of late. Mo, how are you looking at Bengals and Cardinals with this line seeing a ton of line movement when you look at the look ahead and it's sitting at above the key number of seven? 
Well, how I'm looking at it is I feel like you're torturing me even talking about this line because once again, like last week, I saw a number that I thought was egregious. I didn't bet it. And now I'm just irritated at myself uh, because I, I knew Arizona plus eight was an idiotic line. Like Bengals 2022, late in the season, sure. That's not what we're looking at with this Bengals team, okay? Um, and the, yeah, like you said, dude, the, what the Cardinals just come out and fight the good fight every week. They, they keep covering, and yeah, obviously they didn't this week, but multiple drop touchdowns in a row to end it. And, and they once again fought the good fight. I mean, versus the nine, they didn't come out and get steamrolled. Fought the good fight. They, I love it. I mean, the defense got flattened, sure, but their offense was rock solid again, man. And, and they're just moving the ball week after week against solid defenses, the Niners, the Cowboys. This coaching staff deserves a lot of credit. Everyone knows how talent deficient this team is. I think... I think, man, that, that Eagle staff last year was maybe an all-timer. Between what Steichen and, and Gannon are doing this year, you have to be just looking back on that Eagle staff and say that was maybe one of the best we've seen. Um, but anyways, yeah, going back to this one, shouldn't the Cardinals be able to score points here at home? I, I know their defense isn't good, but also I'm like, man, can, can Joe Burrow do anything about it? I mean, he's just a disaster right now. Um, I kind of feel bad for him, even though I hate the Bengals because I'm a Chiefs fan and I'm sick of them. But yeah, it's been rough for him. And, and I don't, their season is like such a catch 22 now. I, I just, it, it's like, okay, the only way the Bengals can turn their season around is for Joe Burrow to get healthy. But the only way he can get healthy is to sit out some games that they would probably end up losing. So it's just, they're just damned if they do, damned if they don't at this point. And it feels like this is it for the Bengals season. How far this number has dipped is crazy. But I, I honestly would lean Cardinals here at plus three or better. I I don't even know if you can honestly say for sure that the Bengals are better than the Cardinals right now. I mean, it sounds crazy that we're saying that a month into the season. But that's how bad the Bengals have been. I mean, they got wrecked by the Titans. Completely dominated. And to be honest... Going back to that Rams game, dude, yards per play said that the Rams deserved a lot better than they got in that game. So I don't know if the Bengals have played a single good game yet. Yeah, and looking at some of the matchups here, and it starts at the line of scrimmage. And to your point, going back to that Eagles coaching staff, Shane Steichen, the Colts off to a 2-2 two and two start and almost getting off to 3-1 and one after losing or before falling to the Rams in overtime, that comeback victory by Anthony Richardson, really impressive. We were touching on how well C.J. Stroud has played for the Texans. Anthony Richardson looks like a young Cam Newton. I don't think that's an overstatement in any sort of way. But Jonathan Gannon was and still is one of the best defensive coaches in the NFL. Arizona with the sixth highest pressure rate or sixth highest blitz rate. And that could be a big issue for this Bengals offensive line, especially with a banged-up Joe Burrow and that calf injury. Cincinnati ranks number 30 out of 32 teams in terms of pass block win rate. So, kind of like you said, can Burrow and that calf, can (laughs) an all-pro perennial MVP candidate that is really hampered right now get the ball downfield against a bottom 10 Arizona secondary? I don't think so. And I'm not running to bet this game. I don't think I'll have any bet on this game, considering how the line has shifted. 
But if I had to bet it, I would probably bet the Cardinals too. Coaching staff advantage. This Bengals secondary, man, I, I think I deserve some credit considering I, I didn't hear a lot of people touching on this in the offseason in regards to how lucky they got when it came to opposing quarterbacks and dropback EPA, whether it was injuries or just below average quarterbacks that they faced last season. This Bengals secondary without their safety tandem and Jesse Bates and Von Bell has taken a considerable dropback. We're talking about a top five EPA allowed per dropback over the last couple seasons. Now they rank what number 20 in both dropback EPA allowed and dropback success rate allowed. So a massive drop off, no pun intended when it comes to this secondary, I have no interest in betting the game, but we're in agreement when it comes to the Cardinals. I would probably have to bet Arizona if I was forced to bet the game. On to the fourth and final game that we're going to discuss. A huge Sunday night football matchup. Dallas at San Francisco with the 49ers sitting at minus three and a half. Total of 45. San Francisco was minus three on the look headline. It's a playoff rematch from last year. And keep in mind that the San Francisco 49ers were minus four in that playoff game. So a little bit of an adjustment when it comes to the playoff point spread. But then you have to think there was the adjustment on the lookout line. So the market has jumped on the 49ers slightly. And when you look at week four results, the Dallas Cowboys bounced back in a big way after falling to the Arizona Cardinals in week three, covering a six-point home favorites, a 38-3 trouncing of the New England Patriots, and in Bill Belichick, the worst loss of his coaching career, We already touched on the 49ers and Cardinals result from week number four. So, Mo, on the onset, how are you looking at 49ers and Cowboys in a potential NFC championship matchup and a playoff rematch at that from last year? Yeah, this is a weird one, Uh, just mainly because of the schedules these teams have played. I mean, it's so hard to get a read on exactly where they're at. I mean, I know the 49ers obviously look like an unstoppable juggernaut, but like, look at who they've played. They've played probably the easiest schedule in the NFL so far. And unfortunately, Dallas hasn't been much better, if we're being honest. Uh, So I don't know what to think about these teams. My biggest concern here on the Dallas side would be their passing offense. This is like the only time we've seen Dak have to do anything pretty much since the Cowboys had basically three 40-point roll shows is he he just looked pretty poor against a Cardinals defense that, that isn't good. So that's a major concern here. And um, we did see the, the Cardinals have a lot of success pounding the ball against this Dallas Rundy. San Francisco's blocking was looking tremendous at times against Arizona. So... That's a concern here. I feel like this line is fair, but I I wanted to love Dallas as an underdog, and I think if there's going to be any line movement on this, I can't see this line getting any higher, honestly. So I think you're likely to get CLV if you bet Dallas. I just feel like they're probably the right side. It's just a feeling, and it's just a feeling partially based on just this is as circled as a game can get. They have multiple red 
red marker around this game for months. I mean, eliminated them in the playoffs two years in a row. Dallas is going to be ready to roll this week. And if they're not, everyone needs to be fired. This should be the best game of the season from them. Honestly, should be. Great points. Everything you touched on, especially the situational spot. If I had to bet this game right now, I would take Dallas above the key number of three, which I agree with you. One of the things that you touched on probably going to close at three. So if you're looking about the Cowboys, I think you need to bet it earlier in the week. Stay tuned in our Discord channel. The link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner to see if Mo and I do play the Cowboys here before our Thursday edition of Beat the Closing Number when we share our best bets. I also think a play on the Cowboys' money line could be valuable here because to the point that the spread is probably going to dip, the money line is probably also going to take a dip in terms of the Cowboys' price. So I may have to take a look here early on, whether it's today as we record this on Monday or Tuesday with a play on the Cowboys because I don't know how I don't play Dallas. I think you also have to look at, while the 49ers may have a mismatch in the trenches with their offensive line against this Cowboys defensive front, at least in terms of the run game, while the 49ers have had a pretty easy schedule to kick off 2023, which you also hit on, their run defense does not grade well. Bottom five run defense in terms of EPA per carry allowed and rushing success rate allowed. We're talking about an elite Cowboys offensive line that can absolutely take advantage with Tony Pollard and a mobile quarterback at that in Dak Prescott. We saw Josh Dobbs and this Cardinals dual threat rushing offense give San Francisco issues on or in week four. And granted, that was a two possession point spread, but the point still stands that the 49ers have gotten the benefit of the doubt when it comes to their early season schedule and their rushing defense still grades out in terrible fashion. So I would give the definite lean towards the Cowboys on the point spread above the key number of three sitting at three and a half. I think this line will dip towards three, if not touch three minus one ten both ways, maybe even dip below it. I would Probably say it's going to close three minus 110 both ways. But we'll see if you and I have a bet on the Cowboys before our Thursday edition of Beat the Closing Number. Also, be sure to check out thelines.com for the best promo codes for our Week 5 bets. And just Week 5 in general, as I mentioned, we have our Caesars promo code, which is the Lines 1000, where you get up to $1,000 back as a bonus bet if your first bet loses. Also, BetMGM. About 365 and plenty of other sportsbook promo codes before you place your week five bets. Mo, anything to touch on here? Anything you want to hit on before we wrap up? Not in particular, I don't think, other than this should be must-see TV between 49ers uh, and Cowboys. So very excited for that one. Um, aside from that, I would say maybe look out for the most interesting situational spot of the year, probably as far as bills traveling to London to face the Jaguars. I am curious to see how people are going to treat that spot because we've never, ever seen only one team traveling across the pond. I don't think so. This is like an unprecedented rest slash travel advantage 
for the Jaguars. So that's going to be really interesting to see what the market does with that one, especially after the Bills looked so strong. And the Jaguars looked more like they were supposed to against the Falcons. I mean, they pretty much took their foot off the gas. They wrecked the Falcons. One thing that I want to note for that game, and it's not necessarily in terms of the travel advantage that Jacksonville will have, although that's another fine point by you. Jacksonville went from, and this is kind of where maybe I use it more than you a lot on this show, beat the closing number, EPA per play and success rate and all that stuff. Jacksonville went from rank number 23 in EPA allowed per drop back in terms of the opposing offenses they face to number 10 in the span of one game after facing Desmond Ritter. So that kind of goes to show you that EPA and success rate and yards per play, even though we use those stats a lot, they shouldn't be used as a Bible because now Jacksonville and a very exploitable Jaguars secondary is going up against Josh Allen and an extremely explosive passing offense. So just something to keep in mind in terms of that game and as you're handicapping the NFL on a week-by-week basis. But Really fun edition of Beat the Closing Number. For Mo, you can follow on Twitter at Mo Noir. For myself, at Eli Herskovich. You can follow the lines on Twitter at the Lines US. Thanks for watching and listening to another edition of Beat the Closing Number. So long, everybody. Mm-hmm.